3: Welcome to That Healing Feeling. I'm Torzy, and I created this podcast talking all things wellbeing, what makes us feel the absolute best in ourselves and how we overcome challenges and heal with positivity and strength. It was so great to speak to my lovely friend Annie Smith this week on the podcast. We begin the episode by discussing Annie's relationship with running and how she has moved from a general focus on team sports at school towards running and completing two marathons. We explore Annie's tips for marathon training, what she loves about sports, and how her volunteering with the charity Restart Africa holds a special place in her running journey. We go on to speak about Annie's exciting next chapter training as an army officer at Sandhurst from September. Annie was involved with CCF at school, but it was joining the OTC at Edinburgh University, as well as Annie's love of challenges that has had the largest impact in directing her towards a career in the army. I really hope that you enjoy this episode. So, on the podcast, there I have the lovely Annie Smith. Hi, how are you doing? Hey, was, Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Nice I'm to so, see you. Yeah, nice to see you too. I'm so excited to have you on. Annie's a fellow. Um, Edinburgh student with me and in this episode we're going to be discussing both running and the army in the context of well-being but we're going to start with Annie's relationship with running and how she came into a space of having running as a really big part of her life and I just want to start and I often do start my episodes with this of how we grew up and how kind of our passions evolved from our childhood so when you were younger was sport or running or fitness was that a big part of your life growing up?
0: I'd say primarily it was sport. At school, I was always sort of doing all the sports teams. I was big into lacrosse. So I don't think running was ever like necessarily the my main thing. It was more just kind of a means as I got older throughout school. And running kind of seemed, when I was at school, something that was, I it was quite a challenge. I never considered myself a runner. I was always a bit slower. Um, and in sports, I never thought I was the best, but I sort of, Made, up, made it up on team sports because what I where I lacked maybe in running ability, I made up for an enthusiasm and <laughs> teamwork and all of that. I'm one of those sort of will just get involved in anything and get stuck in. But yeah, I think sports at school was really big for me and sort of was one of the best things I got from school. But I think the running kind of came, it was never just a thing, it kind of came along later.
3: I did lacrosse at school, which school did you go to?
0: I was at Godolphin, so I
3: know you okay. were rival of ours. Yeah, lacrosse was massive at St. Cat's. Um, and it's funny because I, I often do find that when I speak to people in this podcast, they're all like, oh yeah, team sports growing up. And I was like, I was not into team sports. I was such like an individual sport person. I was like, right, I want to do the running. And But it's interesting because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like at the same time, people I speak to who kind of did running at a young age found that the pressure of it actually got too much so it might be a better framework to have kind of the team sports growing up and then get into the running
0: later. You're right because I remember the people who at school who I thought of like who were runners I was never a runner people I thought they were all you know doing their own external on cross-country club and and that so I think for me it was never really like I have to be good at running it was just enjoy the sport enjoy that's where I made you know some of my best friends was through sport um and that was the first thing it was the kind of like social interaction you got from it was more important than anything else yeah this was only something that really came in later and that was only sort of in the you know top years at school and the top teams that you started like focusing on fitness it was more just having fun and I've always just been yeah, massively keen any sports I watch sport. I'm one of those real sports buffs um, <laughs> I love that
3: no but I'm sure we'll get into this later as well but I think that kind of feeds into the fact that like to be seen as a runner you have to be extremely fast or like or like, even just in terms of sport to be seen as really sportive to be super competitive but that's like just not true and I think that is something that you start to maybe discover when you get older and like it seems more inclusive but I feel like at school there is a bit of that narrative of being like you're a runner if you're really good at running
0: yeah it's definitely the attitude I had and I think also sporting ability at school was so much of it was just linked to how fast you could run I just remember thinking oh I'm not that great at sports because I am often the slowest in sprints and things and you know whenever the 1500 came up like in cross country in the summer, I was always like, oh my word, this is a dreadful thing. I can't believe have to run 1500 meters. Um, And I thought I was bad. And then, you know, as um, time went on throughout school, um, I realized that there were so many other important aspects to sport, such as just your teamwork, commitment, dedication and being, you know, necessarily fast at something. It's just one like small thing that makes you a good sportswoman i guess no um,
3: definitely also i do not believe that anyone regardless of your speed in the 1500 likes that event cuz i did it so much and i hated it every single time i would get to the start and just like this is going to just be 5 minutes of pure pain and i'm just like i just why am i doing this <laughs>
0: yeah because well, it's just you in your mind i think that's the thing it's completely it's very individual yeah, which is different. I'd much prefer any time I could skip the 1500 to just go and play tennis, I would.
3: So when you came out of
0: school, you then went on a
3: gap year uh, in between school and uni. Was fitness still a part of this? or Because I guess when you leave school, you don't have as much access to kind of like facilities and stuff, really, mm. or teams in the same way.
0: So on my gap year, I basically I did a ski season, still very active and going outside and doing lots but I think it was a big um, change actually going from that structured environment of where you have, you know, sport sport, four or five days a week um, and you're doing that. And yeah, you have the facilities and it's just there. You don't have to like plan it into your life.
3: Yeah. Um, it's, we take for granted a bit, don't we?
0: <laughs> yeah. You just have PE and it's just there. That's when you do your daily exercise. So I think I, yeah, didn't have that structure. So fitness or sport wasn't really a priority but I was I was active but again on my ski season that was just wasn't even planned like of course you're just going to go out and be active every day then I went um, to Kenya um, to a children's home so this is a very stereotypical gap year but um, (laughs) it was mine so it was my experience and I loved it Um, and out there I met so I went to a children's home in Kenya which I just fell in love with. And I've been back to many times. I now work for as a, um, their fundraising coordinator, but out there I was just volunteering at this um, very small charity. And again, just being outdoors active, but I wouldn't say it necessarily, it was like anything structured. But when I went back to that place a year later, it was the children there who encouraged me to sort of saw me running a bit um, every now and again and they were all like can we can we come running with you you know like because I was trying to look for things also that I could do with the children to um you know to get stuck in and do something yeah um, with an activity I think that's what the sort of volunteers at this charity are meant to do is sort of start up fun things whether it's arts yeah. and crafts and I was 40 but I didn't have a whole bunch of lacrosse sticks. That I could just, you know, <laughs> work out and teach them how to play lacrosse. So I was like, okay, well, they've seen me run a little bit. So after school, I would, um, they'd get back from school and I'd start running every evening. I'd make them do 20 minutes of laps, um, which was so much fun. And then on the weekends, um, we'd go to the river or we even did one trek up this mountain called Mountain Longanot, hiked and ran up there, which was so much fun. And that was actually, that was a really, um, I mean, looking back now, having to, thinking about this in prep for the podcast, I was thinking about how actually that was so big for me and really thinking I was a runner. And I mean, these are Kenyan children, so some pretty good running blood there. Oh,
2: yeah.
0: considering <laughs> me a runner, like, oh. <laughs> it's crazy. But yeah, it was fantastic. And that's sort of really where I started properly enjoying running because i was doing it regularly i was getting really fit out there which i hadn't had before
3: it's just i think that in itself demonstrates how it's how running and fitness can you can get really healthy and really fit by it being a really fun activity and that just shows that like also it builds so much connection this is why i think covid's been hard in terms of not having in that club atmosphere as much um i think that's just such a lovely way to to get into it and I guess like we'll say later I know you did the marathon for them you raised funds for the for the Kenyan um, charity um and that's yeah I just think the connection's so lovely so when you so you went there was that in your gap year was that after
0: so first time I went I actually I'll disclaimer I didn't run with them much at all I just other you know just helping out in the kitchen and doing all sorts of different things but it was it was really first year of uni, um, that's where I didn't really have much, I wasn't really doing much running and it was kind of the end of that where I suddenly got into, um, where I revisited the charity and that's okay. where I You were asking about um, where I sort of maybe didn't do as much sport post-school, that was really sort of gap year was a bit of a weird time and then I went into my first year of university and that's where again, I sort of lacked this structure. Um, and so running towards the end of that was kind of a way to get me out. So and that timed in well. When I went back to the children's home, that's where I was like, oh, I might just start running a bit. And that's when yeah. um, it really came into, yeah. Having children consider me a runner, I was like, okay, fine. I am a runner now. Um, I met I some of those kids were rapid as well. <laughs> really fit. But I think what I really liked about it as well was, um, you know, trying to get some some of the children are really enthusiastic and, good and particularly some of the older boys who play lots of football they're all obsessed with football but it was quite nice because it it's so accessible to anyone and I was really in tra- trying to encourage the girls to get running too because I think in Kenya it's still quite a misogynistic society and that yeah. you know at school the only thing they do in PE is football and the girls stand you know mostly on the side I, I think women's sports it's just going to take that Bit longer than it is, um, say, in the UK for sort of girls' sport to really catch up. Yeah. Um, but I, what I loved about running is that I could sort of be there to encourage some of the girls to get a bit sporty too um, yeah, and show exactly. them that they can beat the boys because some of them are really decent runners. It's
3: also just, yeah, like you said, it's so accessible and it's a great way. Um, not that these kids necessarily need this, but. For me, I think it's such a great way to get me outside and I'm not a treadmill runner. I really like getting outside and I think especially, even when the weather's not as nice, I think it's just a really nice way to get in nature, which is obviously like a proven way to make us feel better. And like we were saying, kind of in that first year of uni, I I found first year of uni really, really difficult and I lacked a lot of, yeah, training and lacked structure. And then I guess I also kind of naturally lacked that outside time as well and just having that kind of mental health boost from being outside and getting active outside so I think there's just so much about it that makes you feel better ultimately yeah no I definitely relate to that first year kind of it's a little it's just it's a weird time isn't it it's such a big shift and like so much more independence I mean obviously you had your gap here so you needed to be independent on that but I guess at uni there's
0: quite a lot of more responsibilities I don't know if you'd agree with that though completely i think because gap is basically just one year there's no structure but that's kind of the point of it you're to make what you want out of it but then you get to uni and okay right this is the real world now i'm back on planet earth um you know i can't just go and do what i want every day and it is a big change because it's the first time you're really having to just organize maybe more mundane day-to-day life um what i found you know whereas when you're at school everything is just so organized you don't have to plan a thing yeah and then you get to university and you're like what and particularly for me I I do politics which is humanity so it doesn't have many contact hours at all um and so I got to this first year I didn't know many people you know you start you don't really know many people at all and you've got all this free time and yet you don't know how to organize it because you've never had to do it before and I think that's where it really took a while I didn't because I'd never you know at school I'd never like independently gone out for a run really so I didn't think of doing that in first year I played lacrosse a bit which I did enjoy um but for sure I think structure for me is really important because it just keeps me happy it keeps me motivated um I need a routine and so that's where I felt first year was hard because, you know, I was just learning how to how to do all that. Um, and that's where, so in, in my first year, I played a bit of lacrosse, but that didn't take much time out of my week at all. But I took up the OTC, which is the officer training corps, which is a university society, um, but also an army reserve unit. And it's meant to, it's sort of, you do all this army training. There's no, um, you don't have to join after you leave the OTC, after you leave university. So it's four students um, and it sort of develops leadership skills. And you meet a whole bunch of wonderful people and you get to do all this sort of military training. Some of the more conventional marching or going on military exercise, all sort of fun adventure training. And that for me gave me a lot of, um, yeah, filled up my time a bit more me an opportunity to meet lots of new people like-minded people as well because I think that's hard as well at university to do you know when you just arrive Um, and there's just people of all varieties and you just sort of how am I meant to find my friends here and yeah I think first year doing the ATC really I just found people who are like-minded like doing sports getting just stuck into whatever and if it can be outside then even better no, it's so
3: great. I think I think, like you say, it's so overwhelming when you first come and there's just everyone and you're like, I just don't know where I'm going to fit in. And you're so right. I think sports and like OTC, you've said, it really does offer a space to connect people who you just kind of already know there's going to be a base level of having the same things in common because you're both doing these things that you enjoy. And I'm really excited to talk more about OTC. Um, but just before we do, I just want to speak to you about um, your marathon and the marathon that's coming up which is really exciting because Jess who was the first um the first guest I had on this podcast um which seems like a ages <laughs> <year> ago now <laughs> <laughs> but um you ran the marathon with her in in 2019 and that was your first marathon
0: yeah so marathon it was <laughs> um, oh, thanks that's kind of you to say um so I had never ever thought I'd be a person that would run a marathon. But end of first year, one of my um, good friends I'd made from the OTC, Jess, and I didn't even know her particularly well at that point, but we'd done enough together. And she messaged me that summer after seeing after first year summer after seeing that I'd been running a bit in um, in Kenya on my like Facebook. She messaged and said, "Annie, do you want to run the Edinburgh Marathon with me?" And I was just like, "Well, okay, <laughs> sure." Um, <laughs> I mean it was just quite like it was out of the blue but then it was just why not I'm I mean I'm a yes person I'll say yes to most things (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, (laughs) why not like this is prime time to do it I've got all this time at university that I didn't know how to fill Um, so anyway and I thought there would be a great way to get fit because that was something that wasn't you know I was unhappy that I wasn't very fit at the time. Um, and it would give me structure again, training yeah. for something because it was going to be a big thing. I'd never yeah. really run more than a 5k before. So wow. like a big um, step to, to go. So she set, I think, asked me sort of August, September in 2018 and then spent sort of second year of uni starting to train for that. Um, and that was great. And that's where Jess and I really, you know, solidified our friendship and we now live together. In our fourth year. So it was uh, amazing and absolutely loved it because I love the whole training process. I love having, you know, I'm quite organized. I write out my plan, what runs I'm going to do each week, and what other little ones I need to do. And I'm not, you know, super strict. I don't do everything. I probably say if, if I can do about two thirds of the plan, then that's a success. <laughs> um, I don't get too annoyed if I miss certain. Runs or anything, but it's nice just having that base structure of thinking, right, this week I've got to get this run, this run, this run in. And if you trust the process, I mean, it can seem quite overwhelming. You know, I remember a few runs thinking, oh my word, this is awful, and this is only, you know, 10k. How am I ever going to run a marathon? But I think the whole thing, you just trust the process. And then I remember on the day of the marathon with Jess, we're kind of like sort of pre marathon nerves, but then we said, you know what, like we've probably done about 98% of it, 99% of the marathon, you know, already in all the training we've done, that's what's got us to the start line. Like this, this is just the final bit. Let's just enjoy it. And it was, and it was great. And we had no, all we wanted to do was finish it. We had no real time pressure. We just wanted to, to run it. And it was so much fun and such a positive experience. And I think doing it with someone like Jess, who is just you know I've listened to her on your podcast first time but if anyone knows her she's so positive positive. and I think you know if you just say something's going to be good and this is fun like you just trick yourself into thinking it is if you just are positive and smile through when you you know you're going through a bit of pain towards the end of the marathon if you smile you will just get through it um and you'll just like trick yourself into thinking it's fun so that was my experience with the marathon. And yeah, and so two years later, I'm doing the Edinburgh Marathon again, although it's virtual. Um, so it's in a month's time. But it's been, it's nice to sort of, it'll be a nice way to finish my four years of university in Edinburgh. And it's been a great way, again, this final year to just give me that structure alongside my one contact hour a week I get from my. Um, one contact hour, as in yeah it's ridiculous I know I know it's mad so yeah so running's definitely become quite a big part of my life I'm definitely one of those annoying Strava um <laughs> sluts or whatever you know everything I, know. On my Strava. I love Strava
3: <laughs> I'm just <laughs> Strava Annie I didn't really discover Strava until like a few months ago and now I'm just like I love it so much fun i'm just so nosy
0: but not in like a weird way just isn't like oh it's yeah. fun to see what people are doing <laughs> yeah exactly i, I just in particular i think it's been great also just i got it almost a year ago with the whole pandemic because you just see what people are up to yeah. and you just keep those connections going i think also it's such a positive thing as opposed to social media which i feel like at least my sort of circle of friends have maybe started to use less and less in terms of Facebook I never really post on Facebook whereas Strava is yeah. something I actually see and it's not where like Instagram where it might be that like perfect picture so is just like oh that's quite a cool thing like yeah, I just yeah. think it'd really cool if someone goes on a you know long run and posts some nice pictures I just think that's quite fun.
3: I think uh, it's a good space though if if you can see it like that. Because I think, do you know what? I think a few years ago, I would have found it quite hard not to compare myself with people. That's the only thing about it. And then I feel like I'd be like, right, I need to, I can't do a recovery run because people are going to see it on Strava, which is obviously such a stupid mindset. But like now I'm definitely the same. Like I just enjoy it. And I see it as a space for like, yeah, people to connect and see what everyone's doing, which I think is really fun. I also see people in Edinburgh doing like
0: different runs. I'm like, oh, that's quite fun. I'll try that one next (laughs) time. No, but I think you're right about there being that other side to it. I've always just done it with a sort of upbeat. It's nice to, one of my friends are particularly, actually, well, no, I do know some um, like proper serious, serious runner athletes. But I think most people are just very chilled and no one's too concerned about pace. But I know there is that side to it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why, but I yeah, I love all the running data. I have my Garmin. Oh, yeah. I, have, I even have the heart rate strap, which is just so <laughs> extravagant. Like, I really don't need it. It <laughs> doesn't really matter my precise heartbeat while I run, but, you know, it's a hobby. So
3: I was going to say, actually, um, I'm the same as you, actually. I really thrive of having a structure and plan and stuff. But I think it's really great that you can also acknowledge that it's OK to miss a few things. Because I think that's the only time where running can become a bit too much of a constraint is if we kind of value ourselves on whether we're doing everything we've set out to do. So I think it's so great that you say like, oh, I thrive off structure, but at the same time, I'm not going to, you know, beat myself up if I don't do every single run I've planned. I think that's a really good mindset. Mindset's everything. And I think if, if taking that from the, kind of your tips of the marathon, you're so right. And like having done like adventure races and stuff, it's just having that kind of positive. This is going to be great. It's going to be fun. Like when we get to the end, we're going to love it. And I don't know about you, but I tricked myself so much into signing up for new races by the, having that secondary fun of like remembering me. Like, oh, that was so fun. But it's like, actually what was fun was finishing it. When you're doing it, it, it feels like the hardest thing in the
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Gigi Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last
1: thing you want to do is second guess the ring.
3: world
0: but it is yeah. secondary fun as well it is great it's yeah secondary fun i don't i've always been i'm definitely i'm a huge advocate for secondary fun <laughs> from from my sort of atc army stuff as well i just thrive off being challenged um yeah me too and definitely i've always there's a, a friend of mine who's um in the army now and i just always remember once we're in this military race so we were running with lots of weight on our backs as a team. So you had to all run together. Um, I remember, you know, a few people were struggling, but obviously it's a team race. So you're only as fast as your, you know, weakest person, I guess. I remember my friend just shouting, show some aggression, <laughs> um, which is so funny. I think it's like, you know, it's, she's not a very like, if you chat to know she's not a very aggressive person, but I think, I always remember her saying whenever I do, whether whenever I'm doing like a tough run or, you know, I'm being physically challenged, just, I just say to myself, like shoot some aggression and you just get through. (laughs) And I did, I quite enjoy that feeling of like really gritting your teeth. Training for the marathon again at the moment, I am just thinking, oh my word, like I enjoy it. But when it gets to the stage where you're having to do the really long 20 mile runs, which is where I'm I'm at now, It does just get really exhausting. You do a 20 mile run, you have that sort of the day and the next day taken out. Yeah. Um, You know, I think the train, I always love like early part of marathon training when it's like around that half marathon distance is your long runs. I think that's quite like, it's more manageable. Um, But now it's getting big miles, but I do enjoy it as well because actually being able to go much further, you're going, I'm going to all these new places, even around where I live. Um, in Winchester, and there's so many beautiful trails and by the river yeah. and around the South Downs. It's stunning, and particularly now in the spring. So I've got to got to take the positives from it, but it's yeah quite exhausting. I'm feeling quite tired at the moment.
3: Yeah, I guess recovery is a huge part as well when it comes to that kind of second half of training. Do you have any tips for people if they're training for recovery? Like, have you? Because I know you do yoga, don't you, with your with your friend Libby? But have you found that that's been helpful? Like when you've been training as like a means of
0: recovery? Definitely. I think that's one thing that I've really learned the value of more recently. I mean, in the last six months to the last year, I've really focused more on recovery because I think I got my first real injury last year. I'd never before actually attached any value to stretching or having a day off because I thought, well, that's not getting me faster or making me be able to run longer but once I think I've had an experience of being out of running you realize no actually the recovery is so important because that prevents you taking all that time out so I do a lot of yoga now um twice a week I do zoom yoga with my friend Libby um who's a yoga instructor and I've done I've done one of your classes as well Torsi Um, but it's great and I so I only really started doing it about a year ago um, and it's twice a week which is perfect because if I actually commit to a class I'm going to go to it because I used to before you know I'd maybe do like a yoga with Adrian stretch once a fortnight on the whim like oh maybe I should stretch but now I think actually having taken up yoga is like quite a predominant part of my training plan it's definitely enabled me to recover better just tip for recovery is just start attaching value mentally to yoga and to just having a day off and that's where I said earlier before you know I probably only do about 60 to 80 percent of my plan that I set out to do because it takes time but you know, it's the age-old thing. I'll oh, listen to your body, which is so much easier said than done. Because um, mm-hmm. you know what really is. You can say, "Oh, yeah, I'm a bit tired, but I probably could do it." It's like, well, no. If you, if your legs are feeling a bit fatigued, just don't push it today. Which I mean, even now, I'm not going to get it. Claim to get it right every time, but I think it's yeah. much more important that you're fit and well to do all aspects of your life, yoga and stretching. It's almost like your insurance policy. You know, the more time you put into that kind of stuff, into doing warm up, stretching, taking an extra day off, you are buying that insurance to prevent yourself getting any injury. And that's how I now see it.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think it's just having that greater awareness as well, like of your body and knowing that actually if you take time one day as a day off or yeah, to do yoga and stretch out, you will just be a better athlete in your next session. Like it makes sense yeah I think yoga is great for running and yeah I often do like yoga for runners classes because it's so great at building both stretching, but then also S and C so like strength and conditioning for like glutes mm. for. um so it definitely will be really great um for your recovery and anyone's well I'm I feel like both of us could talk about running for forever but I, I do really want to get onto the, the army as well and discuss this because obviously this is another really big part of your life So if we quickly just hop back to kind of when you were younger, you did the combined cadet force at school, but you didn't see this as like a way that you were going to maybe go in the future, but you did this at school.
0: Mm, Yeah. No. So the army was, I'd never say it was my calling when I was younger. Um, We had the CCF at school and I was in all girls school. We were one of the only all girls CCFs, which I say with pride, but, um, but actually (laughs) I don't want to be mean, but it wasn't the most, military focus CCF. Um, what we had, what we sort of maybe lacked in military expertise or ability, we made up for an enthusiasm. But yeah, it was just a means at school. It was an activity we did every Tuesday night. And then we'd go on trips and go kayaking or rock climbing and do lots of fun things. And occasionally we have a bit more of a sort of military cadet side of things. We did do a bit of marching. It wasn't really focused on that. It was kind of a way that we could do lots of fun things. And it's not just fun activities. You do challenge and learn a bit about yourself and learn sort of, you know, basic leadership and and teamwork, which is really important. But the army was just kind of like, that was just a means to do the fun stuff. But when it really became a part of my life, I said it was in the OTC at university. I never even intended to join the OTC. When I got to university, I literally just turned up thinking, you know, I might try the ATC, but I also might try rowing. I don't really know. Um, And I went to the freshers evening for the ATC and just thought, oh, these people seem like a good bunch. I met Louisa, who's um, my <laughs> flatmate now, with Jess on the first night. And I was like, oh, she seems like a nice person. We've got, you know, similar interests. And turned up to that and because that's sort of, it's a bit like CCF, the Command Cadet Force, except you have to do a bit more military stuff in terms of marching and it's a bit more military focused I mean because you are actually being paid as an army reservist and you have to sign up and you are a member of the armed forces which some people don't realize because they just see it as university society but you are actually in the military which is different from CCF where you just wear the uniform um, and do some military things you are it is different and yeah I just really got stuck into that but it's still In my first few months in the ATC, I didn't think it would ever be a career, but it was when things at university weren't as good in that first year, as I sort of was saying earlier, I started thinking, you know what? This is a viable career here. This is something where, you know, in the army, you work with all sorts of different people and you're challenged every day. um, And it's all sorts of different people as well. I think that's what I really enjoy. You have people from all different types of backgrounds, um, who you'll be having to work together in a team to do whatever you're told to do, um, and I thought actually, you know what, this is kind of up my street. And there was actually my parents, my dad was in the army, but not not for very long. But my parents said, oh, you know what, Ali, we could really see you in the army. And I thought, you know what, actually, maybe <laughs> maybe you're right. I sort of I'd never really I'd always brushed it off, but then it was the more and more people saw me enjoying the ATC, was when I realised actually, you know what why have I been putting this off I can I got to the point where I, was like, I couldn't think of anything worse than just like sitting in an office every day or going getting a sort of graduate job that lots of my sort of contemporaries are going on to do but well, actually no it's just not for me I need to do something a bit different and so I thought well I'll just sign up and see see how it goes and it's quite a long process so the ATC kind of introduces you to the application process gosh, it would have been three years ago now that I actually went onto the website and applied online.
3: Wow, it's so cool.
0: Do you think maybe
3: the reason it wasn't in your future plan initially, do you think that is because it is very still and remains very male-dominated?
0: Partly, yes. Um, Although, I, you know, I say that I did have an experience... Doing the CCF with all girls was quite... It was interesting even though the person that took it um major revil, but it sounds like major evil we were <laughs> I'm, I'm still in touch with now um he you know it was a, a guy taking it but I think he tried to get other you know young women who are in the army to come and help out at our ccf so I think I had seen some female role models but still it's it's not really a societal norm you know I think. I'm not sure the exact statistic of how what the gender balance is in the military but I know at Sandhurst which is the officer training academy that I'll be going to next year is 10% female Um, okay which which isn't big but I think I don't want to say it's totally oh I never thought you know oh I didn't think I could do it I think it was more just Probably a mixture yeah. of the reasons why I hadn't considered it. Also, you know, you don't want to necessarily just follow your parents' footsteps, um, which is exactly what I've gone on to do, but that's how <laughs> things go. <laughs> so, fair. Um, so you're not in OTC at the moment, are you? No, so I did three years of OTC. It's actually, it's kind of as a model, it's designed on, I think, a normal three-year English university course because it makes sense you have in the OTC you have two years of training where you go through two sort of training modules that officers people who are becoming officers in the reserve army go through four training modules and we do the first two so module alpha and bravo which are sort of leadership training modules you do those for two years in the OTC and then you have a year of being a junior under officer and basically little leaders of different teams within the OTC. So um, people apply for those positions. So I did a, last year I was a junior under officer, a JUO of um, Chris and Company, which sounds, you know, very, it's, it's not that big of a deal, Um, but it's, it was quite fun. It meant I was helping out with the younger years who were being trained. I was sort of supporting their training and teaching them how to iron their uniform or how to clean a rifle or something like that but then i'd done that and so along my three years of university i was applying to um become an army officer which is a quite a long process you have to have two different sort of assessment days um it's called the army officer selection board and it culminates in a four-day selection board where they test you in all sorts of different things um you know physical and um You know you have some academic aptitude tests and they they're trying to look for if you have what they call leadership potential and there's lots of different things that measure that OTC were really supportive of me going through that process and teaching me and helping me out with um, the different things I'd be tested on and then I passed that in end of 2019 which is a big relief because once you pass the Army Officer Selection Board, you've got a place at Sandhurst, which is the Officer's Training Academy, and you can take that place any time in the next five years. So they have three intakes a year. So I'll be going in September this year to Sandhurst. But once I would got to the point end of last year, I got everything out of the OTC that I'd gone in to do. I made some amazing friends. I would had some fantastic experiences and it's it worked for me it basically recruited me into the army which is kind of the point of why they have these army units in the first place um and I thought actually do I do another year I actually looked one of my friends had transferred across to an actual army reserve unit in Edinburgh the 6th Battalion Royal Regiment of Scotland and it's an infantry unit so it's frontline soldiering and I thought oh you know what For a year, it'd be quite fun to do something different, meet new people. And now, at the stage of looking at what part of the army I know I'm going to be an army officer because I'm going to Sandhurst, but there's all different aspects of the army you can be involved in. Um, And I'm starting to sort of decide what area I want to do because you can be an engineer, an army medic, you know, all sorts of things. And I'm looking, I want to join the infantry, which is the frontline close um, ground combat role. And the unit in Edinburgh, the 6th Battalion, Royal Regiment of Scotland, is an infantry unit. So I thought that would be great. I get a year of infantry experience before starting at Sanda. So actually, I'm a private soldier right now, which I think is really important because hopefully then once I, you know, commission as an officer, I've had a bit of time as a soldier. So when I go on in years to come to command soldiers, I, I've been in their shoes, I guess, um, to some extent. I mean, the Reserve Army slightly different in some ways from the regular army and that you're not working full time I just do it um, every Tuesday evening do a training night and the odd weekend so it's not it's not as big a commitment Um, but it's still something it's still I'm going through the the same training and yeah having to learn all the same basic skills that I'll have to do in years to come
3: It's very inspiring I feel very inspired I mean not necessarily to join the army because I'm a bit of a scaredy cat but (laughs) it's really cool and like I guess it it just demonstrates your commitment to it as well like you said it's been a long process and you're going to Sandhurst in
0: September yeah really exciting exactly and you want to be on the front line yeah the thing is we talk about the front line because that is essentially what the infantry does if you know if there were to be a conflict. you know, But I mean, the nature of conflict and warfare is changing at the moment. So yeah. it's interesting, actually, what is the front line at the moment, because that is there's no we're not in any active combat right now. But the British Army's roles at the moment still, there's always going to be a requirement to have that um, forceful capability. Um, but it's actually interesting. Some of the roles the Army are doing right now is a lot of training um training foreign troops or um they do sort of anti-poaching training in africa so they're teaching different armies or units specific capabilities so there is still that that requirement and and there is always going to be to be risk because the british army still operate in um areas of higher risk um and they can still be a target to certain groups so I've never come at it from that aspect of, oh, I want to be a, you know, a courageous soldier or anything. I've <laughs> come at it, oh, I want to work with people and I want to be challenged. I think that's something that's always, what I've thrived under is just new situations where I'm pushed outside of my comfort zone. And this is a career that like naturally lends itself towards that. Definitely. Um, for sure. And I'll be traveling and whatnot, but... Yeah, I guess, you know, sometimes you do have to think about it. I watch, there's this documentary. I mean, if you're interested in any of the, what people get up to at Sandhurst, there is a documentary of a year of officer cadets through, throughout their training. And there is one episode where they do actually look at the ethics side of things and look at the the morality um, behind warfare. And, and that kind of, probably that episode was the first thing I was like, oh, gosh, yeah, there is... There is something you do have to consider it here because you are going to have to like morally justify your role, particularly as an officer, because you're going to be, I guess, in some instances, commanding soldiers. And you're going to have to have that like real understanding of what what you're doing and why. Because if you're going to ask, if you're going to maybe order people to do something for you that puts people's lives at risk, you have to be able to understand why you're doing what you're doing. But yeah so I guess there there is an amount of courage in in that but it's not necessarily something I always like think about but you do have to consider it yeah a bit
3: so you'll be how
0: long will you be at Sandhurst for then um 44 weeks so a year pretty much 44 weeks is so specific Um, (laughs)
3: yeah (laughs) such an exciting step yeah it'd be nice to kind of finish uni and then just move on to that in september i guess like because school start, well school and uni have always started in september so it's kind of like the second new year isn't it as well covid will hopefully not inhibit any of that Uh,
0: yeah i hope not because i think things are changing they've been training in so they've still been doing all their normal courses in the last year people have been turning up to sandhurst nothing's been i mean the the training's been um, affected insofar as they're having to be quite strict on social distancing, but I think some of that will lift by the time I get there, hopefully. But I think they've still been able to do they just put people in bubbles and things.
3: Yeah. Um, it will all be manageable. Oh what's well, so exciting. Well I should probably get on to the final three questions. Um yeah. it's been so so great to talk to you about all of this. Honestly, it's fantastic. Um so the first one is what is one thing that you do daily to make yourself feel your
0: absolute best. So I struggle with this one because I do lots of things daily but if I had to put the one most important thing was probably just talking or catching up having a joke with someone a friend or family member I think that's the most important thing is just keeping in touch with them and I love having a laugh with people. I think as well I completely agree because I always ask these
3: questions and I'm like I think I would really struggle with the first one because there's lots of things. But I think, yeah, actually sometimes it's the most simple things like that, which actually have the most value.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, for me, family and friends are the most important thing more than anything else.
3: No, same, I agree. Lovely. So second question is, um, do you have a
0: goal or a way
3: you want to grow in the next year?
0: Well, so this one is kind of as I've said, going to Sandhurst, it's it's leadership training is what it is. So I think. I just want to go Sandhurst, get stuck in. And I guess it's nice because it's a year of my life. I cannot wait for it because it's all structured. It's like school because they <laughs> plan it all for you. I don't have to plan a single thing myself. The only thing I need to worry about is just, you know, making sure I turn up on time and do exactly what I'm told, which is really nice because it just seems quite simple. I mean, I'm sure I'll be challenged in lots of different ways. But, yeah, I think that will be my year of growth I'll be learning s- so many new things no but certainly a year of yeah growth ahead for you for
3: sure um going there um so final question is um do you have a quote that you align to in life for positivity
0: I love quotes so um, I. <laughs> quite a few um but I was thinking the one that's probably it's not necessarily. I don't know if it's a quote I don't know who said it but it's something I always like say to myself or remind myself that will ground me. It's just take what you do seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. I think it's just so important because it's so easy to get wrapped up in, in what you're doing and sort of lose a sense of yourself. I think it's important to work out what's important and do that really well. And, you know, really put time and effort into it. But also you've just got to be able to have fun and have a laugh with friends and people I think again that just links into everything I do with the army or with charity work I do or you know running all sorts you know whenever I've got a task or if I've got a challenge I've got something I need to do I'll you know try and do it to the best of my ability but also just got to have fun with with friends if there is another great I always just this is just a t-shirt I have my favorite t-shirt it's just life is good you always got to look at the positive in things I think they're both great because they're both just about maintaining perspective aren't they yeah because
3: ultimately like yeah. if these are yeah if these are things that we're yeah like you say taking things seriously like they're things we're committed to it's really great to have that focus but ultimately like we're doing them because we enjoy it and if we lose sight of that then what's the point <laughs> these yeah. are, yeah no I completely agree about how to maintain that perspective um oh thank you so much for
0: coming on I've really enjoyed it yeah I mean I, I've i loved it too you just catching you I will definitely try and catch you back in Edinburgh but well I'll um, tell you what we'll do Annie we'll go on a run and then we can do yes. a double whammy. <laughs> well all my closest friends are people who probably come running with me um apologies to my friends that don't run with me you are still a friend of mine <laughs> but if you look at most of my friends they're all quite um sporty people because if you can kill two birds with one stay catch up yeah. with a friend while you're gonna run it's just the perfect thing uh, exactly oh thank you so much no thank you it's honestly yeah i was very flattered to be asked um, well, not by you. and it's been great <laughs>
3: was so amazing to speak to Annie for this week's episode and once again congrats Annie for your fantastic marathon effort of three hours and 49 minutes for the distance I'll be back with another episode soon lots of love for now